Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Tennis Podcast. My name is Nick. I am your host. I am Brandon. I am your equal in hosting. You are my equal in hosting? Yeah. I mean, you're equal in every way. Brandon, why don't you tell me about your day so far? Is it is it going well? Uh, yeah. All right. So, the way this show works is I have a top 10 list in front of me. I know you're really proud of yourself. Brandon does not know what that list is until I tell him here in a second. Nope. And he's going to try to guess that list. Yes. Tell it to me. Tell me the name of the list. You want it already? Yeah. No banter, no foreplay. We're just going to dive right in. Ouch. Why don't you tell us a joke first? Um... Okay, I'll tell you a joke that my kid made up. Most of his jokes are dog shit, but this one is slightly less than dog shit. Uh, Why did the poop get on an airplane? To see his grand poo. Wow. That's not bad. He made that up? He made that up. That was after a string of probably 50 jokes that made no sense in a way that is infuriating to listen to. But he doesn't even have to go on a plane to visit his grand poo. Where'd this frame of reference even come from? I don't know. It's uh, the the creativity of poo. <laughs> Does your kid ever confuse you for his grand poo? Because you, you know, because you look so old. Okay. Well, on that note, I have one more thing I want to bring up. On my Twitter account, at Nick underscore Amel, I asked my followers. <laughs> followers. What is the best Adam Sandler movie? Mm-hmm. What do you think people said? You didn't list Punch Drunk Love. No, but I gave people a chance to comment. I guess it's technically not an... Like, when you say Adam Sandler movie, you mean a movie that he was also the creative force behind besides being the star. Sure. Okay, you're going to guess what one? Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to guess what one. Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Happy Gilmore got 45% of the votes. Yeah, that was my second choice. Thing I voted for was second place, which was Wedding Singer, 23%. And then we had Other at 21% and Waterboy at 11 I think Waterboy is funnier than Billy Madison. I know Billy Madison's more classic. Now, the two things that Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore both have going for them are the bizarre non-sequitur humor uh, pieces. Like at the end when he looks in the sky and he sees Chubbs and the alligator and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> uh-huh. Or in uh, Billy Madison when they have that shot of um, his kindergarten teacher, Miss Lippy, in the classroom and for just no reason, she's taken the, the paste out of the jar and <laughs> smearing it across her face. On her eyes. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, people might not say that was the, their laugh out loud favorite part of that movie. But that stuff leaves an impression with people and I think that's a big part of why those are so fondly remembered. It's because people's souls were stirred when they saw something that strange. My favorite part of Billy Madison is when Billy and his 8th or ninth grade friends are sitting in the cafeteria and the lunch lady comes up and the music changes <laughs> to be, the music becomes like menacing all of a sudden. I made them extra sloppy for you. <laughs> you kids want some sloppy joes? <laughs> and when he he looks around just says, stop it, lady, you're scaring us. <laughs> and then they all laugh, including her. Yeah. That's my See, favorite. that kind of surreal, I have to wonder if Tim and Eric and their surreal style of humor, if like, I think they probably would have been in college 
or around like in high school around the time that Billy Madison came out. And I wonder if that just bizarreness had a, an impression on them. Undoubtedly. What does it say that every single movie we, li- we listed, including the ones you listed that weren't even on my poll, are from the 90s, other than Punch Drunk Love? I compare them to Jim Carrey. Obviously, they're very different in their styles of humor and their movies are different. But the reason they're so similar to me is because they have these movies that everyone loves, everyone talks about, but they're all from the 90s. And they've had very few successes at the same level since then. It's almost like they're incapable now. Oh, well, I mean, I guess they don't have comedic successes since then. Yes, that is what I mean. I haven't laughed at anything either one of those guys has done since the 90s. Yeah, so what happened with that? I liked 51st Dates, which was 04, I think. It's just weird how like they were doing hit after hit. They couldn't, they couldn't miss in the 90s and then as soon as 2000 hit, you got Little Nicky and Me, Myself and Irene. From then on, they just could not. They're incapable of repeating the success. I haven't seen one of the Adam Sandler movies he's made basically since. I've seen, I saw 51st Dates and I saw the one with Jennifer Aniston, Just Go With It. Yeah. Which I will admit, it's kind of a stupid movie but there were a lot of parts that made me laugh anyway. And I wonder if, if, if I watched the other ones, if I watched um, Grown Ups or Grown Ups 2, mm-hmm. uh, what are the other ones? Jack and Jill? That one was really bad. But I wonder if I watched them, if there would be out of an hour and a half, if I would have two times where something made me laugh. Well, I've seen, I think, all of those. You know, you'll usually laugh a few times and even if you laugh a lot, it's not the same. You see that movie and you might laugh a few times, but then you forget it immediately as soon as you walk out of the theater. Whereas, I haven't seen Billy Madison in at least five years, maybe maybe a lot more than that. And I still can quote that whole movie almost. And a part of that's just growing up with it, I guess. There's just some magic that used to be there that's not there anymore. What is the hardest you've ever laughed at a movie in the theater? Honestly, I have an answer for you. I have a specific scene from a specific movie where I was in tears. Okay. I'm not saying this is the funniest movie I've ever seen because it's not, but this scene was the, the most I laughed in the moment and that was Step Brothers when Richard Jenkins, the, the stepfather slash the father, uh-huh. <laughs> he was trying to motivate them in like the last 20 minutes of the movie and he's telling about how he was a dinosaur. He would stomp around <laughs> in the backyard being a dinosaur and he started twitching his neck like he was trying to get it back and he's like, I can't do it. And he started talking about how his dad told him, you're 17, get the fuck out of here and get a job. <laughs> and Will Ferrell and John C. Riley were like, that's not a skill, that's just a... And I was in tears for like five minutes and my, I have a friend who listens to this show that was sitting next to me in that movie and he still brings up to this day how hard I was laughing at that scene. And you were nearly a grown man by then, right? Well, I think that was 09 mm-hmm. so I was in my early 20s. The hardest I ever laughed in the theater uh, happened when I, I think I was probably like 12 or 13, something like that, when I saw the first Austin Powers movie. When Austin Powers uh, strangles the Lucky Charms assassin yeah. <laughs> in the bathroom and Tom Arnold is talking to him and thinks he's trying to take a big dump. Yeah. Tom Arnold, I don't know what it is about Tom Arnold. I know he's a little bit sleazy and weird, but Tom Arnold has my number. Tom Arnold has your number of this, I have, I have no doubt. But my favorite part from that movie is when, from Austin Powers is when right around that same scene when he's playing Blackjack. He has two face-up cards that make six or seven total. <laughs> That's right. And the dealer's like, 
do you want to hit? And Austin says, no, I like to live dangerously. <laughs> and he's like, I strongly suggest you hit, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so subtle, but I love it. Well, anyway, why don't we get to the list? What do you say? Tell me about the list, please. It's the most popular songs of the 1990s today. Okay, I gotcha. This is based on Spotify plays in modern times. So, basically, if a song came out between 1990 and 1999, they may have been very popular at that time, but which of those have endured to this day across generations? Or may have found renewed status because of someone's death. Yes. Or whatever, for whatever reason. Right. I like to go straight to death, but that might be a reason. Well, there's plenty of death on here. Yeah. So, I'm going to read a little blurb from my source and I'll give you the source name in a second. Until recently, it was impossible to measure the popularity of older music. Billboard charts and album sales only tell us about a song's popularity at the time of its release. Right. For those that don't know, billboard charts measure a song's radio play. For the folks at home, billboard measures music. That's right. But now we have Spotify, a buffet of all of old... A smorgasbord. New and old. Tracks with fewer plays are fading into obscurity and those with more plays are remaining in the cultural ether. A cornucopia of music. This is a list not of a song's popularity when it was released or even in the years right after. Uh-uh. This is a list of the songs released between 1990 and 1999 that have endured to this day. What I have is Spotify plays, which is the number one source of music listening today. Yeah. And it's probably also a great indicator of popular songs even outside of Spotify. I think you'd agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I found an amazing article. It's from a website called Pudding.Cool, which sounds weird, but it's, an, it's a website about like internet things. So, it has all kinds of articles like this. Highly recommend it. But it's an article written by Matt Daniels on Pudding.Cool and he has interactive tables and charts where you can sort music by Spotify plays based on decade, based on genre. It's all interactive and very, very cool. Send me the link after or post, post the link to our Twitter. Yeah, I'll post the link on Twitter. You can follow us there at 10ishpod, 10ishpod. Same username for Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. But I'll post a link to this and I highly, highly suggest everyone check it out. Um, and it's cool because we can do this list again with other decades. Thank you, Matt. We'll be mining this for content for months to come. And I also supplemented this. So, that is my main source of everything. But I also supplemented with an article from Refinery29.com. Elizabeth Kiefer wrote an article comparing the most popular songs from that list, the pudding article I mentioned, comparing it to billboard charts from the 90s. And then I also supplemented with Wikipedia and my own knowledge and billboard.com. So, a lot of sources have a cornucopia, a myriad of sources have contributed. You put your own contribution before billboard.com. I've put a lot of time into this list. I have the top 20 in front of me, but I have expansive notes for the top 10. Okay. Songs that came out in the 90s based on their Spotify plays today and this article, the pudding.cool article came out in 2017. Okay. Whew, with all that said, you know, I'll add to I think you'd agree with me, Brandon, but you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my music tastes are most closely aligned with the 90s music. All of my favorite music comes from the 90s. Most of my favorite bands, Radiohead or The Flaming Lips, kind of came into their own towards... Dixie Chicks. <laughs> the 90s and at the end of the 90s. So, yeah, I would say the same. 
when my sort of appreciation or understanding of music came online was like right at the end of the 90s and then early 2000s as well. But yeah, I think the 90s is when my brain sort of came online as far as understanding and appreciating music. Which is great since the, since the dementia started coming to effect in the 2000s for you. That's when that came online. That's when a virus was uploaded. And what's interesting too, I'll comment here that I compared this list of the most played on Spotify today with the list of Billboard charts from the 90s, which again measures songs popularity when they first were released. And the lists, those two lists do not correlate very well. In other words, songs that were really huge and top of the charts in the 90s, Mm -hmm. for the most part, not in the top 20 here on most played today. Okay. Found that very interesting. Is there a song by Nirvana? Yes. Is that song Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yes. I'm going to guess that it is above number five. Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit is number one. I knew it. You didn't fucking know it. For anyone that knows me, they will know that a big old smile and a bit of chubby <laughs> came to me. Came to you, a chubby came to your face? When I found Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit to be number one, I'll tell you why. Nirvana is my favorite band. I have a Nirvana tattoo. Um, Nirvana it was a huge influence in my life. It was the Smells Like Teen Spirit is the song that... You had your first dance to. Yeah, it, it <laughs> my wedding song. That's the song that made me fall in love with music. I heard it in the 2000s, you know, much after it was out. But before this time when I was a teenager, I didn't really listen to music or just listen to what my family listened to. But when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, it's funny actually because I actually heard Smells Like Nirvana by Weird Al first. <laughs> my friend showed me that. I remember this very distinctly. For a lot of kids, uh, Weird Al was actually... Weird Al doesn't get credit for this, particularly for kids who weren't allowed to go to like record stores or weren't allowed to buy records that had certain ratings on them, that Weird Al was your first way of getting into yeah. some quote-unquote real artists. Mm-hmm. I was going to say someone recent... Oh, uh, one of the last podcast guys uh, said, um, Marcus on the last podcast said he prefers Weird Al's Eat It. To beat it. <laughs> to beat it and Weird Al's fat to bad. I guess especially now that Michael Jackson is even more associated with... Being bad. Nasty. Yeah, with being really bad. Um, well, I heard Smells Like Nirvana when I was in I think like ninth grade maybe. I thought it was funny and I liked it so I wanted to find the original song and that led me to Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana who I knew nothing about before that time but I instantly fell in love. Smells Like Teen Spirit came out in 1991. It was from the album Nevermind. And I have a bunch of notes here. It's Spotify plays, 50.7 million plays on Spotify in one year. And that is way above number two. Smells Like Teen Spirit is head and shoulders above the competition. It's 40% higher than the number two song in here. It's really interesting to me because while I do love that song and I do agree about its place as like a cornerstone in changing culture of music in the 90s, changing some but many people's like idea of music. Yes. Young people's idea of music. But as far as replay value, I just find it interesting that that's the top one rather than something that is more melodic or... I would say to that, it might not be as much replay value as new play value for younger people that have heard about the song. That's right. Or heard about Nirvana and getting into it for the first time. But for those that don't really know the history, I hear and read people say that Nirvana's overrated or they're only big because Kurt Cobain died. 
And I won't argue that Nirvana has a larger listenership now because of the legend of Kurt Cobain and his death, sure. But before he died, it was a world-changing song in, in the world of music. Yeah, those are probably people who are too young to, yes. to remember. Yeah, and not, you know, not that I was around, around. I mean, I was like three or four years old. But you pulled your head out of your ass. Yeah. A little bit. I only do a couple times a year. Most of the year, my head's in my ass. You're like the groundhog. A couple times a year, I'll peek my head out, see what's going on, go back in. Six more weeks of winter. Six more (laughs) weeks of inside my own ass. Smells Like Teen Spirit was a surprise hit. It helped launch Nirvana and the grunge genre as a whole, which includes artists like Downgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, among others, unexpectedly into the mainstream. Nevermind has since become one of the best-selling albums of all time, selling about 30 million units worldwide. That's the album that the song was on. But there's a lot of history behind this song. In fact, Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain said that Smells Like Teen Spirit was an attempt to write a song in the style of pop band The Pixies, a band he greatly admired. Here's a quote. He said, I was trying to write the ultimate pop song. I was basically trying to rip off The Pixies, I have to admit it. When I heard the Pixies for the first time, I connected with that band so heavily that I should have been in that band or at least a Pixies cover band. Uh, It's just funny because people don't think of Nirvana as a pop band, really. But he was basically trying to rip off a pop band and their sound. I mean, a lot of his songs are a pop band structure. Right. Soft and quiet and then loud and hard. Well, yeah, I admit they also follow like same chord and chorus verse, chorus verse, bridge, chorus structure. If a lot of his songs, if you played them with Beatles instruments, a lot of his songs, you if you take out the uh, lyrical content and replace it with like, I love you, baby, <laughs> and played it in a major key rather than a minor key, they're basically like Beatles songs. They're like a night, night, early 60s John Lennon songs. Yeah. A few more notes here and then we'll move on from Nirvana. Nirvana grew uncomfortable with the song's success and in later concerts often excluded it from the set list, which is something artists usually will play their biggest hits at, a, at concerts. Nirvana... Yeah, they don't like it. ...started to refuse to play it. Prior to the release of the 1993 follow-up album In Utero, Chris Novoselic, the bassist for Nirvana, said, If it wasn't for Teen Spirit, I don't know how Nevermind would have done. There are no teen spirits on In Utero. Cobain said in 1994, the year he died, I still like playing Teen Spirit, but it's almost an embarrassment to play it. Everyone has focused on that song so much. I saw Modest Mouse uh, around the time that they had, I think they were probably the biggest commercial hit was Float On to the point where I'm sure it was even probably used in commercials or, you know, film trailers or something. But Modest Mouse has a ton of great music besides that admittedly great, yeah. catchy song. And when I saw him in concert, I really liked, they played that song. I think it was the second song they played. Can't remember uh, the lead singer's name, but. You're not a real fan. You're just a poser then. He said something to the effect of like, let's just get this out of the way. And they played it and the posers got real excited and they got it out of the way. And then about halfway through the concert, all the people who I think paid just to watch that one song, half of those people slowly drifted out. And That's funny. It was a nice concert to, to have uh, personal space. Yeah, there's another band on this top 10 that has a similar thing like this that they refuse to play it even though it's their biggest hit. And, you know, one thing about Nirvana is, or Kurt in particular is he hated, I guess, what you just said, posers coming to their concerts, even the song In Bloom. He's the one who likes to sing. Wait, he's the one. He's the one who likes, who likes all, all our, our pretty, pretty songs. songs, but he knows not what it means. 
Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the songs that shaped rock and roll in 1997 and ranked third on the MTV and Rolling Stone list for 100 Greatest Pop Songs. The official music video, which most people have seen probably, was shot for an estimated budget of around thirty dollars to $50,000 but has since garnered nearly 880 million views on YouTube as of March 2019. Not so bad for a little grunge band in Seattle. I mentioned it's number one by a huge lead. It's also the number five song of all time of any decade on Spotify. What I was mentioning earlier about how the list of Billboard songs that, you know, were big in the 90s but didn't last like this one did. So, for the decade of the 90s, Billboard had a top 100 songs and Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit ranked behind Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. Uh, and I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. <laughs> Just weird to think that at the same time that people were having their minds opened by Smells Like Teen Spirit, somewhere somebody was jamming to um, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't wait till this guy's next album. I wonder where that guy is. Uh, he's probably dead. You know what I think about? People like that, those one-hit wonders. I mean, he is the definition of a one-hit wonder. Yeah. And you know, they went on tour and shit. They had to play a whole album worth of songs. A right said Fred isn't a guy named Fred. It's a band formed by brothers Fred and Richard Fairbrass in 1989. Yeah, they're alive and they're active. I mean, can anyone in the entire galaxy name one song from them other than I'm Too Sexy? In August 2017... Richard and Fred were credited as songwriters alongside Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff on the Swift single, Look What You Made Me Do. Uh, the song's chorus is a reworking of the famous chorus from I'm Too Sexy. Oh, never mind. I thought they were still working as like songwriters with the hottest pop stars. No, they were just using their kitschy, dorky single. The song was made in jest, right? I don't know. Neither one of those guys looked too sexy, but... Well, you and I aren't really uh, ones to say what is or is not sexy. <laughs> God, that, God damn, that Fred is fucking sexy. Well, anyway, I could talk about Nirvana all day, but we should probably move on. So, what else do you think is in the top 10? Radiohead Paranoid Android. No. Creep. Yes. That's sad. Radiohead Creep is number 10. Creeped right in there. That's actually really sad. I, who, the, who is still listening to that? 29 million people on Spotify. I guess. Uh, I like Radiohead and I... You can't deny that's their biggest hit though. Well, yeah, I, I can't. That's what the facts say. What? I mean, you had to have known that coming in though. Why would you not have guessed that first? Well, because that was the biggest hit in the 90s. My, I would have assumed that people like, similar to Smells Like Teen Spirit, if a young person is going to get into Radiohead, I would have thought that they probably would have been recommended something off of OK Computer rather than Pablo Honey. But I think a lot of people hear, so if you're going to use Spotify and no one has recommended Radiohead, you just know Radiohead is... They probably know Radiohead from this song. Well, maybe. But when you visit Radiohead's page, if you're like, I need to hear what does Radiohead sound like, the top played song on there, if that is Creep, that is also the song that most people will play for the first time. I know that's what I do when I'm checking out an artist for the first time. So, it's interesting that that's not really representative of most of their music, but that is probably the song most people 
listen to first and associate with them. Well, it's not a probably, sir. It's a fact. 28.9 million plays on Spotify in a year. It's from the album Pablo Honey. came out in 1993. It ranked only 34 or it peaked at 34 on the Billboard chart that year. It's Radiohead's first single. Creep was not initially a chart success but became a worldwide hit after being re-released in 1993. Um, Radiohead took elements from the 1972 song The Air That I Breathe and then following legal action, Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood are credited as co-writers because they wrote the song The Air That I Breathe. So, there was a big lawsuit and Radiohead had to include those guys as co-writers on the song. Oh. Well... I don't think anybody is disputing their songwriting credits or abilities beyond that. If uh, you're interested in seeing how miserable that band uh, was uh, only a few short years after that, uh, after Creep becoming a big hit, there's a documentary called Meeting People is Easy. Uh, It was taken, I want to say it was filmed in like 97 or 98. It it was while they were sort of blowing up, but people were still like screaming at them to play Creep. And they're also like dealing with being international successes and stars and touring and stuff. And they're all, they all look absolutely miserable and depressed the entire time. Yeah, I have a note about that. Uh, It's an awesome documentary to watch if you want to see somebody feel like shit or see somebody uh, not enjoying being a rock star. Yeah, and much like Nirvana, everything you just said, but also... Radiohead started to refuse to play Creep, their biggest hit. By the time Radiohead were touring in support of their third album, OK Computer, which came out in 1997, the band had tired of playing Creep. Lead singer Tom York became hostile when the song was mentioned in interviews and refused requests to play it, telling a Montreal audience, quote, fuck off, we're tired of it. <laughs> he dismissed fans demanding to hear it as, quote, anally retarded. <laughs> After the tour, Radiohead did not perform Creep until their encore of the, their 2001 hometown concert at South Park, Oxford, after an equipment failure halted a performance of a different song. So, they went several years in a row, seven or eight years before they played it again. And they only played it as a backup. And they probably played it as a joke. Yeah, I think the whole band hates playing it. You're going to love this. Here are some artists that have covered the song Creep, uh-huh. either in concert or on or in a recording. Prince is one. Yeah, Prince in, covered it in 2008. The Pretenders, uh-huh. Sarah Geronimo, Postmodern Jukebox, Kelly Clarkson. That list was a postmodern jukebox. <laughs> so, that is Creep by Radiohead number 10. How about Waterfalls by TLC? No. Was Destiny's Child around in the 90s? Yeah. Destiny's Child's not in the top 10. Okay. What about Brandy? No, I forgot about Brandy. I'm going to ask if an artist is in the top 10 because there are several artists that I think could potentially have a song or more in here. What about Tupac? No, no Tupac. Notorious B.I.G.? Notorious B.I.G. is number 13. Uh, Hypnotize. Juicy. Oh, Juicy. The 1994 song Juicy by the Notorious B.I.G. has 25.3 million plays on Spotify per year. Oh, well, I like Hypnotize better. What about uh, Dr. Dre? Dr. Dre is number eight. And I bet you won't guess what song. Is it Forgot About Dre? Nope. Is it Dre Day? Nope. 
Is it the next episode? No. The song from Dre came out in 1999. What's interesting, I'll tell you the name in a minute, but what's interesting about it, it has the lowest billboard peak of any song in the top 10. So, when it first came out, it only peaked at number 93 out of 100 on the Billboard 100 chart. And it's not next episode or forgot about Dre. It's still Dre. It's from the album 2001, which came out in 1999. It has 30.3 million plays on Spotify. Do you want to hear more? Uh, Sure. The single itself was popular, helping the album reach multi-platinum status, announcing Dre's return to the forefront of the the hip-hop scene, and our listeners know you and I are also at the forefront of the hip-hop scene. <laughs> yeah, that's, I live there. I think you're thinking of the hot dog scene. That's where you live. Still, Dre debuted and peaked at number 93 on the Billboard 100, but it was much more successful in the United Kingdom where it reached number one. We have the damn Brits to, to, to thank. Oh. Oh, this is going worldwide. Of course. Um, okay. So, so far you got number one, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, number eight, Still Dre by Dr. Dre, and number 10, Creep by Radiohead. Okay. Um, Puff Daddy. No. Pearl Jam. Nope. Pearl Jam's not even in the top 50. House of Pain, Jump Around. No. Here's a hint. Well, not really a hint. In the top 10 and even top 20 is a good mix of genres. Like pretty much one thing from every genre. Besides, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. No. Damn. See, that was huge when it came out. But yeah. according to this, it has not persisted. It didn't stick to our ribs, huh? Huh. But, uh, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, I'm looking now, is number 34. Okay. It, are there any boy bands in that top 10? In uh, sync or Backstreet Boys? No. And what's really interesting, this shocked me. I mean, this shocked me to a higher degree than I was shocked when I found out how much you'd prefer to eat a hot dog over a crowded airport trash can. Nope. Rather than a plate or a table. Nope. In sync, Backstreet Boys, not even in the top 50. Not one song in the top 50 for either of those. Okay. If we're going by this list, but at least the three that I have here. I realize Dr. Dre is still not super popular, but Nirvana and Radiohead, I know Radiohead still puts out albums because they're together. Yeah, sure. But Nirvana, <laughs> but Nirvana still retains popularity now. I'm trying to think of artists who are popular now, but also had hits in the 90s. Yeah, that's a good way to go. What about U2? No. Oh. Beastie Boys? No. You ready for a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. There's a Christmas song in the top 10. <laughs> okay. And everyone has heard this song. Oh, God damn. It, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. You got it, brother. Where's Is that number two? That's number two. You know why? Because, and I, I understand this too, you also have to, con- to wrap this under your understanding of Spotify. The plays on Spotify are also because people put her song in Christmas playlists and then play those like crazy throughout the Christmas season in the background or whenever. I have a Christmas playlist that has that stupid song on it. So, 
That's part of the reason why it's on this list. I said I have a Nirvana tattoo. You have a Mariah Carey tattoo, don't you? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen to this. Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas came out in 1990. Actually, I think it came out before this, but it I think it was re-released in 1999. Could be wrong on that. I think uh, the movie Love Actually probably helped boost it. Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit number one, 50.7 million Spotify plays. Mariah Carey number two, 36 million. Uh, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, off the album Merry Christmas. I thought that was a really creative art- artistic choice for that album name. Uh, it peaked at number three on Billboard. It also was on the Billboard charts for 30 weeks when it came out, which is well above average. But this song also holds the record for the most single day Spotify plays. On Christmas Day 2018, this past Christmas. <laughs> God damn it. What are people doing? Almost 11 million plays on that day alone. Oh, I know what's going on. People are busting out that playlist while they're... Fucking? Uh, oh, while they're, <laughs> while they're humping under the Christmas tree. No, while they're opening gifts and... <laughs> humping under the Christmas... Now, are they humping each other or are they just humping... The gifts. The gifts. American culture is so driven by consumerism that we just get under the tree and hump the gifts. Yes. No, it's while people are opening gifts, cooking dinner, or just hanging out. They're, they've got their playlist playing in the, in the background. I don't like that song. Um, well, I have a note here. I think this is the most passionate, emotional, powerful song in the top 10 by far. Mm-hmm. It was called, quote, a year-long banger by music critic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> what? I wouldn't, ba- I wouldn't bang to it now. I think you're just trying to save face on this podcast. I think you blast this with the windows down, belting it out in the car. I already admitted it exists on a Christmas playlist that it I It does have. not exist on any Christmas playlist I own, but I can't speak for my wife. I just always skip it. There's two music videos that were commissioned for the song. The song's primary music video features, <laughs> this is a quote from Wikipedia, grainy home movie style footage of Carrie. Her dogs and family, I'm sure that's her family at the time, I think that was three or four husbands ago, uh-huh. during the holiday season, as well as Carrie dressed in a Santa suit frolicking on a snowy mountainside. Carrie's then-husband, Tommy Matala, Matala, Matola, makes a cameo appearance as Santa Claus, bringing Carrie a gift and leaving on a red sleigh. He get, brings her a gift of, uh, of pills. <laughs> <laughs> and then he makes a getaway on a red sleigh. I've I don't I have never heard any concrete rumors of her and pills, but just the way she acts, <laughs> I gotta assume she loves pills. Yeah, who doesn't? If if anyone out there has a line on Mariah Carey and taking pills, oh, hot damn! Just in update. Whoopi Watch 2019. Whoopi, we need our Whoopi update. I have an update about Whoopi's health. Uh, right Whoopi after- Goldberg, to be specific. Yeah, right after we recorded that and I said I was worried about Whoopi's health, they said she was ill. She hadn't been there for like two months, like 60 days. Wait a minute, are you sure? I thought two months was at least 140 days. And I said, I fear she is gravely ill. But mm-hmm. she recorded a video message, they played on The View, and she said that she had double pneumonia and... It got septic or she got sepsis, something like that, and she almost died. So, I, my feeling, my feeling was right. Whoopi watch continues every night. Well, she's okay now though, right? Yeah, she's okay. 
But I'm Whoopi watch continues because I still want to see when she comes back. Now, does that mean you watch Whoopi and you watch her close? Mm, no. Whoopi watch, Whoopi watch continues. Hashtag Whoopi watch. I'll keep you updated on Whoopi's health. That'd make a hell of a merchandise idea. A watch, a watch on your wrist that's just Whoopi's face. Yeah, the watch band would be braids of her hair. <laughs> Real whoopee hair. <laughs> Mariah Carey, all around for Christmas. It's huge on Spotify. It's also huge on people that actually purchase the song, uh, either on like disc or on their phone. 16 million sales of the song, the 11th best-selling single of all time. My favorite note here is that this song, as of 2017, has earned... Over $60 million in royalties from use in movies yeah. and commercials and et cetera. So, this song alone has earned more than you, the listener, will in your entire life. Quit playing that song. You guys are putting pills in her mouth. Yeah. She probably started pills to get through this podcast. Hmm. And all I want for Christmas is you to give me pills. I'm trying to think of another... You got, a, you got a mix of one-hit wonders. You have a mix of old bands that existed before the 90s. There's one-hit wonders on here? There's a few. Yeah. Not a ton, but a few. It's mostly bands with very few single artists. I'm Too Sexy is not in the top 10? No. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> Whoop. No, it ain't. Damn. No. That song came on, uh, on satellite radio the other day and... I fondly remember Beavis and Butthead's Whoop, There's My Butt, and it was a big hit in the car. You hit a butt with your car? Yeah. You remember What Is Love by Hathaway, the Night at the Roxbury song? Yeah. What is love? Is that on here? Number 22. Oh, wait. Uh, what about the Rick Roll? No. Is that 90s? I think so. Maybe 89 or 90. What's that song called? What's the name of it? Never Gonna Give You Up. I'm not seeing it in the top 50. Ice Ice Baby. No. Here's some big names that are not in the top 20. Okay. NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, mm -hmm. Pearl Jam, Sir Mix-A-Lot, Vanilla Ice, Eminem, Smash Mouth. Now, I know Smash Mouth isn't huge, but they did have a huge hit. All-Star, <laughs> not in the top 20. Michael Jackson was around in the 90s. He is not on here. Tupac is not on here. And your favorite artist that you worship to with a shrine in your master closet, Garth Brooks is not on here. Oh, what about, uh, is there a Weezer song on there? No. But there's some big players that I'm, I mean, should be very obvious. Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers? Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers is number five. Really? Yes, sir. God damn, I'm good. <laughs> okay. With a lot of guidance and, and missed guesses first. Sure. I knew it. Red Hot Chili Peppers, another band I very much love. You, you and I went to a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert together here in Tulsa. Do you remember how... We took off our shirts. Took off our shirts. I think we may have taken place in a 40-person orgy, but you and I were on separate sides of the room, so it wouldn't be weird. A daisy chain of unbridled lust? Yeah, it's cool though. I only looked at you sometimes. But when we went to that concert, I think it was 2017, Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer, got hurt jumping around and he had to sit because he hurt his leg for like the last half of the concert. Do you remember that? Yeah, he's old. He's getting old. 
God, he's almost 60. It's not going to stop him from dating 18-year-olds, though. <laughs> That's a fact. Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge came out in 92. It has 33.6 million annual plays on Spotify. It's from the album Blood Sugar Sex Magic, uh, one of Chili Peppers' highest selling albums. It peaked at number two on Billboard. So, this is an example of a song that did peak huge at the time of release and has remained hot to this day. It spent 26 weeks on the Billboard charts in 92. I'll catch my breath there before I read more notes. I did too. You ready for more? Yeah, read me some more of Nick's notes. Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of only three artists with two or more songs in the top 20. Here's a hint for you. Vocalist Anthony Kiedis wrote the lyrics of Under the Bridge to express feelings of loneliness and despondency and to reflect on narcotics and their impact on his life. He was a lifelong drug addict until I think his 40s or maybe his 30s. He did not feel that Under the Bridge would fit into the Chili Peppers repertoire. It was a lot different than their typical songs. He was reluctant to show it to his bandmates until album producer Rick Rubin implored him to do so. The rest of the band was receptive to the lyrics and wrote the music. Under the Bridge was the song that helped the Chili Peppers enter the mainstream, and it was ranked number 98 on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest guitar songs of all time. And my last note here, and then I'll turn it over to you for your deep, thoughtful analysis. <laughs> uh. Under the Bridge had widespread success and made it one of the band's most played songs on their set list. It has been performed over 640 times live since 1991 making it the Chili Peppers' second most performed song ever behind, have a guess? Most perform? Yeah, in concert. Behind, give it away now? God damn, you gave it away. Hmm. What do you think of Under the Bridge, Brandon? I was prepared to disappoint you with my insightful analysis. I like that song. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any insight behind. I just, I like that song. There's a part of the chorus that says, I'm not going to sing it, but it says, quote, I don't ever want to feel how I felt that day. Uh-huh. That's how I feel the day after we record every episode. Uh, I don't ever want to feel how I felt that day. Well, I have another guess. All right, we're going to move on from the Chili Peppers. Wonderwall. Wonderwall by Oasis is number four. Can you admit that I'm doing well? No. Wonderwall came out in 96. It has 34.4 million plays on Spotify per year. It's from their album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Uh, it peaked at number eight on Billboard. You like Wonderwall, Brandon? I mean, I did when it came out and I like Oasis, but... Is it their creep? That song has literally reached meme status and how overplayed it is and how, any you know, it's the first song almost anybody who learns how to play an acoustic guitar plays. You know which meme I'm talking about, right? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, what is that from? Like, how did that start? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I like the song. It's not a bad song, but I don't ever have to hear it again. Didn't you try to convince me once that you can play guitar? Yeah, I sent you... A video of someone else's hands playing and you pretended it was you? I sent you a video that was clearly me playing guitar. I didn't say I played well. I can still play, like, chords and stuff. And how many songs about hating Memphis and or... Loving Roger Rabbit, have you written? I'm going to start writing some. I'm trying to think of more um, one-hit wonders. Well, real quick on Wonderwall, the song was written by lead guitarist Noel Gallagher, who said it describes an imaginary friend who's going to come and save you from yourself. Um, The song was originally titled Wishing Stone, 
It won the British Video of the Year at the 1996 Brit Awards. <laughs> Fucking Brits have to have an award named after themselves. Oh, well done, well done. <laughs> it has reached 239 million views on YouTube. All right, give me another hit guess for One Hit Wonder. Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. No. Some of these songs you're going to be like kicking yourself that you didn't guess. Mambo number five? No, no. But that's uh, number 41. Getting jiggy with it. <laughs> no, goddamn. You know, the first music I ever bought, you know, I told you Smells Like Teen Spirit matured me as a listener. Yeah. Before that, when I was like in third grade, I bought cassette tapes for my cassette player. Big Willie style? I bought Big Willie style and the NSYNC self-titled album. I bought Big Willie style as a person who was able to drive his own car. <laughs> oh no, Brandon. Yeah, I was not. I, I'm telling you, there was, there was a moment when all this stuff came online and until then it was a lot of dog shit. Is there any Ice Cube? No. Is there any Destiny's Child? Say my name. It's no. No, we've been over Destiny's Child. What's I your deal can't. with Destiny's Child? Are you a Destiny's Child fan? How about Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry? <laughs> oh god damn it! I hate that song. I hate that song. I hate that band. That is one. Of, that's a song that is so bad. I know it didn't come out in the nineties. I was just thinking of it. It's there's literally a lyric in the song that says, "Quote: When I dream, I'm doing you all night." End quote. You got a lovely face. <sighs> You're crazy, but I like the way you fuck me. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Let's just get this out of the way. We, I said there's two Chili Pepper songs in the top oh, 20. Oh, in the top 20. Yeah, tell me the yeah. other one. It's number 14, so just give me a guess. What's another Chili Pepper song you would think is pretty high? It's not Give It Away now? No. And that song is only called Give It Away, by the way, poser. Aeroplane? No. With the birds, I share this lonely view. Oh, I didn't realize that came out. And it was that ninety nine. Yep, ninety nine. Scar tissue. Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of only three artists with two or more songs in the top twenty. Bootylicious. No, you said no. No, Destiny's Child. Oh my God, Des is that was that Destiny's Child or just Beyonce? Bootylicious. <laughs> my body's just too bootylicious for you, babe. <laughs> Imagine the first person she said bootylicious to, like, my, bo I'm, my body's too bootylicious for you. And he's like, the, f <laughs> the fuck did you just say? That sounds disgusting. Kind of, it sounds like a sweaty crack. At my wedding, uh, I was in my wedding vows that my body's too bootylicious for you. Uh, you're not ready for this jelly. <laughs> you're unprepared for the jelly I have. <laughs> How about I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith? Now you're getting it. 1998's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. <sighs> Number 16. Oh, that's on the top 22.9 million plays on Spotify. That's another one of those Glenn Ballard. That song is so awful. I agree. I hate it. There, is there any Christina Aguilera? No. Did the song Thunderstruck come out in 1990? I'm pretty sure it did. Is it on the list? No. Oh. But I wonder what the top songs from the 80s are. Well, don't look now because I might use that another time. 
Yeah. Oh, are there any R. Kelly songs on here? Um, this list might have been oh. compiled. I mean, people have known he's whizzing on girls for like 20 years, but more recently, things, have, things are coming to a head. Literally coming out of his head. One of his heads. You get it. His penis head. There's no R. Kelly. You ready for more hints? Yeah, I need some hints. Wait, is Genuine on the list? Uh, no, no. KC and JoJo. No. <laughs> There's a metal band. The definitive metal band. Oh. Darkness imprisoning me. Is it Metallica? <laughs> uh, for everyone who doesn't like metal, you just gave them like a snapshot. That must sound so stupid to people who don't like metal. I mean, that is the essence of metal, that line right there. Out of context, that sounds so stupid, but I love that song. I just if you If you had never heard metal, seen metal, knew nothing about metal, and the very first thing you'd ever seen about it was the Enter Sandman music video, <laughs> how bizarre would that be? You're like, why is the cowardly lion singing a lullaby to that little boy and screaming it at him? <laughs> Uh, Enter Sandman is a heavy song, but it's also one of their most radio-friendly songs, and it's number nine on the top ten. Enter Sandman by Metallica. Metallica was the last concert I went to. I saw them in concert at the BOK Center in Tulsa for the attendance record for that venue. <laughs> We're off to never, never land! <laughs> that was the last song they played, and I'll tell you, brother... There was some energy in that building. You lifted into the air like Peter Pan on your way to <laughs> Neverland. <laughs> I levitated. There's nothing more metal than Peter Pan. Uh, well, Enter Sandman came out in 1991. It's from their album, their self-titled album, Metallica. It peaked at number 16 on the Billboard charts in 91. Metallica also has three songs in the top 20, but only one in the top 10. Vocalist and rhythm guitarist James Hetfield wrote the lyrics which deal with the concept of a child's nightmares. No shit. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. It's a, a child's nightmare is a grown man with long hair and a beard screaming at him. Right. The only thing worse would be if you were sitting there screaming at him. I think that kid would have died in his sleep out of fear. <laughs> Ugh. Can you imagine? Just gives me the chills thinking about waking up with you on my bed screaming at me. Ugh. Uh-huh. Metallica was already big before this, but this really blew them up into the mainstream. It helped the album Metallica sell over 30 million records, and it's one of the best-selling albums in music history and the best-selling album of any kind since 1991, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, almost 30 years ago. I, that is really interesting. The song Enter Sandman opens the album for Metallica, but it almost didn't. Initially, the song Holier Than Thou was supposed to be track number one and was supposed to be a uh, big radio hit, but at the last minute, it changed to Enter Sandman. Metaler heads prevailed. Did you know? I think I have this right. My friend Steven can correct me. I'm sure he will after listening to this podcast, but the original album title for Kill 'Em All, their first album, was supposed to be Metal Up Your Ass. <laughs> uh, Metaler heads prevailed there too, I think. I don't know. Metal Up Your Ass is, is aggressively metal. The Metaler head that had radio play in mind, their thoughts prevailed. If they could have somehow morphed the idea of metal music into the idea, the concept of like a giant metal spike up your ass, yeah, that's more metal. How often do you stick giant metal spikes up your or others' asses, Brandon? 
would you say it's more than 40 times a year? It's very rare. You only reserve it for the people you really, really care about. I don't really listen to uh, metal. I definitely appreciate it. I appreciate the musicianship and the aesthetics and definitely the artwork and stuff. But metal is just, uh, I've tried many times, but it's just not my bag. Now, are you talking about the earth element metal? You don't like metal? You don't like the way they feel? Okay, so I actually do not like metal at all. Metallica is an exception. I love Metallica. I listen to them all the time, but they are an exception for me in the genre. I mentioned that there's two other Metallica songs in the top 20. Any quick guesses? I don't know. All right, Nothing Else Matters in the same album as Enter Sandman is number 12 with 27 million Spotify plays. And number 19 is The Unforgiven, also from that same album. Three songs from the same album. 21.4 million Spotify plays. Number 19. Are there any songs by Prince on this list? No. Are there any country songs? No, but I know country was top of the Billboard charts for the decade. Leanne Rhymes was the num- was the highest charting song of the 90s on Billboard. I know you're a big Leanne Rhymes fan and she's a listener of the show. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need some hints. All right. I need to figure out, I, I want to know about a one-hit wonder. I think this is a one-hit wonder. I mean, if they're big other than this, then someone's going to have to tell me. But I don't know of anything from them other than this song. So, this is number three on the list. Uh, I'm going to read some things about it and you tell me if you get it. Okay. It was originally written for the soundtrack of 1998 film City of Angels. Oh, it's that shitty Goo Goo Doll song, Iris. Yep. That's it. Is that uh, a one-hit wonder? They're not a one-hit wonder. They had some other hits and I think they- st- They're still around. They still tour. They've come to a casino around here recently. I also can't stand that song. Don't want you to see me. How's it go? I just don't think that you'd understand. Everything about- That hot dogs are meant to be eaten. Over an airport trash can. <laughs> uh, everything about that video. He has that weird uh, late 90s haircut that looks like middle class mom in her 30s uh, <laughs> hair. No, wait. It's the it's a movie with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan and, sh- and like he's an angel. I don't know. I don't. I've not seen this movie. Whatever. The, it all sucks. I'm sorry if you like that and this hurts your feelings. That song sucks well it was written for that soundtrack but it was also off their album dizzy up the girl i think is that i think that might also be a rick ross album who is still listening to that the song came out in 1998 still it has endured all this time it reached number one in many countries including australia canada italy number three in the united kingdom it's become one of ireland's (laughs) best-selling singles ever yeah it was nominated at the 41st Grammy Awards for Record of the Year and Pop Performance by a duo or a group, did not win either of them. Shows you how much can credit you should give to a Grammy Award. And the song was ranked number 39 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest pop songs. So, you're not a, you're not a fan. I'm going to play that song at your funeral. Against my wishes. <laughs> uh, oh, how about, is there a Rage Against the Machine song? No. So, so far you're missing six, seven, and that's it. And I'll tell you that one, number seven 
is a song from an artist that's already in the top 10. Is it Nirvana? Nirvana. Come as you are. Come as you are. Good job. You said that's number seven? Number seven, Come as you are. It's the only artist with two songs in top 10. And it came out in 92. It has 30.4 million plays on Spotify. It's from the same album as Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is Nevermind. I prefer Come As You Are to Smells Like Teen Spirit. I also do. I know it's not cool to have a single or radio hit as your favorite song from a band like Nirvana, but Come As You Are probably is my favorite song from them. It's another good example of that writing structure I was yes. talking about. It's, it is a first song that a lot of people... Uh, learn to play on guitar, at least the open chords for it, because it's a very simple chord structure and it's something that almost everybody knows. I'm biased because I'm a huge Nirvana fan, but I always, I do hear people like one of the criticisms of Nirvana that he wasn't good at guitar or whatever. And I say, fuck off with that. <laughs> First of all, he, he himself has said he's not great at guitar. So, it's not like you're breaking any news. Uh, uh, no one ever claimed that. Yeah, but you know what? You don't have to be an intricate, super complicated talented guitar player to write really good music. Kurt Cobain could write amazing music and he, his philosophy, he said it multiple times, is that his music was stripped down. He wanted it to be basic. He wanted it to be simple. He wanted it to be catchy and... Like the early Beatles music. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, so I defend that style of music but I understand it's not for everyone. I'm not saying everyone has to love Nirvana. I'm just saying... Had he not died, uh, I think he probably would have grown. Yeah, he would have grown as a guitar player. Not even just as a guitar player but as um, in the songs themselves. I think he probably in his songwriting would have expanded into different types of writing styles and incorporating different musical textures and instruments and stuff. He would have experimented. I think I heard Michael Stipe say that shortly leading up to his death, he had talked to Michael Stipe and they had talked about even working together uh, on his next album and he, I think, expressed some ideas about using strings or piano. Yeah, for sure. Well, the rumor had it that Nirvana was on the verge of breaking up even before Kurt died. And in fact, we're not going to get into conspiracy theories right now, but people that believe he was murdered and did not kill himself, and I'm not going to give my stance on that at this time, but people that maintain he was murdered say that the suicide note, anyone can go look it up. They say that that was actually an announcement of his departure from the band and from music because the, the note does not mention suicide until the last few lines, which some say is in a different handwriting style. Take that for what it is, but I think I read an interview once where Kurt said he was looking into um, writing the next big country song. <laughs> and you also don't have to like an artist to be objective toward their contributions to music as a whole. There's lots of artists I don't like that I can respect and appreciate what they've done for music. Are you getting on to me? No. Okay. You and There's I have a largely overlap in taste of music. All right. I will give you a hint on the one you're missing, which is number six. Before that, I'm going to read you 20 through 11. Okay. Some of these you're going to love. Number 20. Blink-182, what's my age again? What's my age again? I get, uh, I mean, uh, whatever. I just don't understand who's still listening to it. I owned that album, but I, I can't imagine why a young person would listen to them. But I guess I was a young person listening to them. Number 19, Metallica, The Unforgiven. I prefer The Unforgiven too. just saying. 18 is Eagle Eye Cherry, Save Tonight. 
Ah, damn, that's a bad one, Hit Wonder. So, 18 Eagle Eye Cherry save tonight. 17 is REM losing my religion. Okay. You didn't guess that. What's your deal? I, well, <laughs> I w- I'm actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah, I'd say overall, this is a pretty good list in terms of my musical tastes compared to like popular music. Yeah. That, I, that music I would have thought is popular. I, I thought this was going to be all NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. 16 is Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. 15, The Verve, Bittersweet Symphony. Mm-hmm. What? Does that surprise you? You're not surprised? Give me some. I think it's interesting that it's still being played a lot, but I think that was probably a one that might have been there only hit, but it's not a bad song. Uh, yeah, it's all right. 14, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Scar Tissue. 13, The Notorious B.I.G. Juicy. 12, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. 11, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. And now we're at uh, your missing number six. Uh, Whitney Houston is another one who died doing what she loved. <laughs> yes. Drugs in the bathtub. I will always love you, drugs in the bathtub. That's got to be better than whatever it is you do in the bathtub. Ugh. Yeah. Number six, the one you're missing, your hint is that it features, it's not by, but it features Dr. Dre. Ice Cube featuring Dr. Dre? Nope. And it's not Tupac featuring Dr. Dre. I've never heard of these guys besides this song, myself personally. It's not Bone Thugs. No. Oh, is it Nate Dogg and Warren G? No, but here's some other hints. It won the 1998 Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. According to Wikipedia, there is a radio version that excludes both rappers, Dr. Dre and someone else, I guess, and features this group only. Taylor made for airplay on adult R&B stations. The beat to this song was initially offered to Tupac for his death row debut All Eyes on Me by label boss Suge Knight, but with Dre leaving the label, he sold the beat to this group. And it's the only song in the top 10 here that has also been number one on the Billboard 100. It's not NWA because that was earlier. Okay, hold on. God, I want to get this. You, you know this song. Oh. All right, do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. Their name sounds similar to the name of a boy band. So it's not the Fugees. No. All right, I'm just going to tell you. God. Ready? Yes. It's Blackstreet No Diggity. Ah! I like the way you work it. No diggity. Yep, that's number six. I like to back it up. Please stop. I'll do anything. I'll give you anything if you just stop. Please. Blackstreet does sound like <laughs> like a... It sounds like Backstreet. Backstreet Boys. Well, like in Living Color was like, you've heard of the Backstreet Boys. These are the Blackstreet Boys. <laughs> Aren't you shocked that fucking everybody by Backstreet Boys is not in here? I actually kind of enjoyed that stupid the music video for that song. Nope. I like the Universal Monsters. Oh, God. Okay, number 10 is Radiohead Creep. Yep. Number 9, Metallica Enter Sandman. Number 8, Dr. Dre Still Dre. Uh, number 7, Nirvana Come As You Are. Number 6, Blackstreet No Diggity. Number 5, Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge. Number 4, Oasis Wonderwall. Number 3, Goo Goo Dolls Iris. 
Number two, the most passionate, emotional, powerful song that is a year-long banger. <laughs> Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. You bang that shit all year long. On the 4th of July, I'm going to crank All I Want for Christmas is You and just bang away. Yeah, you don't, you don't do that? Number one, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. What's your personal favorite from the top ten? What's my favorite song? Yeah, besides All I Want for Christmas is You. That I actually like would be Come As You Are is probably the top. Followed by yeah, that's my top. Under the Bridge. I would do Come As You Are. I'd probably do Enter Sandman and then Under the Bridge. And then Smells Like Teen Spirit. And then Creep, probably. The Google Dolls song is in dead ass last. No, the Christmas songs last for me. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's been the top 10 90s hits based on their Spotify popularity today. We did it. That was a great, I had a lot of fun with that list and I think we should do this again with other decades. I beat that list up. I'll share the link to this. So yeah, check it out. And thank you to Pudding.Cool for that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so Brandon, I'm going to try to read some iTunes reviews. Let's do it. So if you leave us a review on iTunes, make sure it's five stars. If you have a one-star review, just send us some email feedback on that at tennispod at gmail.com. But if you rate us five stars and write a review on iTunes, we'll read it on this show. I have two I'm going to read real quick. The first one is actually the first review we ever got way back on September 4th, 2018. This comes from KNAT Radio. They say, fun podcast. I really enjoyed this podcast. They take a random topic and give a top 10 list over it. These two make it entertaining to listen to. If you like top 10 lists, this podcast is perfect. <laughs> if you like top 10 lists. That couldn't be a more nice yeah. review. <laughs> so, thank you, KNAT. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. This next one is much less helpful and nice. This comes from Funnybone9122. Yeah, I like that. Just this week. Uh, I'm going to quote here. This is supposed to be spoken in a 1920s radio jockey voice. Okay. Quote, you there with the lists. I say, boys, what's with all the lists? Haven't you ever heard of a typograph? It's the latest gizmo from Acme Incorporated. It takes the letters that you choose and transposes them into printed form, paper not included. All you need is three sets of steel-plated alphabet letters, ink drawn straight from the ink sacks of a giant man-eating squid, and of course your typograph. After an eight-hour drying time, you'll have your printed lists preserved perfectly on delicate, fragile paper, again not included. No more handwriting lists, boys. It's the newest craze of the 20th century. How many should I put you down for? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, he's, he really sold me. He didn't sell our podcast much to people reading reviews, but he definitely sold me this um, 1920s typograph. I, I was going to say, I think he basically- He or she, he or she. He or she rebranded the Gutenberg Press. Thank you, Funnybone9122. I respect you regardless of your gender. Brandon might not. But thank you for the review. Write us your review. We'll read it on a future episode. I thought the bone meant boner. I'm going to let that linger for a minute. A lingering boner? Brandon thought the bone might mean boner. I took it at face value. I thought it meant a funny bone in your body. But I'm not a sexist fucking animal pig like Brandon. Leave us a review and tell us your gender. You don't have to tell us your gender. That's right. We will be back next week. Brandon will have a list. I doubt it will be as good as the list I just gave you. Probably not. But you should still listen anyway. Brandon, it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>